Can you imagine what it would be like if there wasn't love? Can you picture what life would become? Without love, there'd be no compassion, no comfort, no peace. Without love, there'd be no caring, no giving, no kindness. Without love, we would be consumed by selfishness and filled with arrogance. Without love, grace would have never been offered. Mercy would have been unimaginable. When you add love to the equation, everything changes. Love is patient, love is kind, not envious or prideful. Love puts others before ourselves, chooses peace over anger. Love protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres. Love changes everything. Good evening, PCA. On your feet. Let's praise and worship our amazing God. Amen. Lord, we thank you. It is by your grace that we are saved and we are going to glorify your name tonight. Hallelujah.
your love for me won't change even when I hold back even when I'm hiding you cover me with grace thank you Lord even in my failure even in my striving you cross the distances to find 
bless your name, Lord. You are good, God. You are good, God. Lord, you are faithful. You guard us against the evil one. You establish us. We bless your holy name. Hallelujah, Lord. When I'm in the roughest water, I won't go under, I won't drown. And when I'm in over my head, I know that you won't let me down. When I'm broken and down to nothing, I know that you are always up to something good. your name Lord even through the deepest valley you go before me you are here for I know you'll never leave me your love surrounds me I won't fear and when, when I'm, I'm broken and down to nothing I know that you are
What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of my Jesus. But the blood of Jesus Oh, precious is the flow That makes me white as snow No other found I know Nothing but the blood of Jesus Sing it again Oh, precious is the flow name God I bless you Lord I bless you Lord I thank you Lord that as we worship you I'm just believing you're gonna break some chains off of us like you did Paul and Silas God we just bless your holy name amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see, Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears Chains up. 
Bible says in Revelation about our God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and is to come. Lord, we bless you. You are holy. We love you, God. We love you, Lord. We are just going to glorify your name because you are worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Sing that again. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy. Holy, holy, holy is 
your name give him some worship tell him how much you love him lord i bless your holy name you are worthy god you are so holy you are beautiful lord god almighty who was and is and is to come i'm so grateful i am so grateful that you are my father my creator my savior my healer you are always with me. You le never leave me or forsake me. You are coming back to get us one day, Lord. And we just bless you. You are worthy, God. I just love you and I bless you and I praise your holy name. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Holy Lord, we bless your name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you were touch that we blessed your heart that we blessed your heart and I believe you are right here living in our praises and Lord I just thank you for your presence Holy Spirit I thank you for uh, all that you're going to do uh, as this service commences God I, I believe you're going to speak to all of us and draw us closer to you Lord I thank you Father and I bless you in Jesus holy name amen 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 we love you Lord Yes, I was waiting on commercials. The scripture says that God inhabits the praise of his people. And if you didn't feel his touch tonight, I don't know where you were. But as we were singing it, we could just kind of feel it up here on the platform. The Lord was here and ministering. Scripture says, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That word cheerfully, it's in Greek is hilaros. Hilarity, hilariously, means without holding back, without being concerned about tomorrow's bills, and we all have them, because God will provide if we're faithful. Thank you. When we do our part, he said, I'll do my part. That's very simple, very simple process, a very simple principle. Principle, that's a better word of saying. God just, as he blesses us, we should just say thank you, Lord, and bless him back. Amen. Amen. 
several ways we can do. You can send it, of course, to by the mail, snail mail, 2313 East Prospect. You can send it, text it at PCA Church um, to 844-390-2401. You can give online at pcachurch.com slash contributions. We've got a little kiosk out there in the front that you can put use with credit card if you don't like to write checks. If you like to write checks, we'll take those and cash too. But just let us be a blessing like God has blessed us. Gentlemen, if you'd come forward. Father, as we give, let, it, let us give cheerfully, Lord, hilariously, without holding back, without reserve, unstinting, generously, Father, because you've given so much to us. Lord, even the times when we struggle, we may not see a lot in our checking account. We may not have a lot in our wallet or our purse. But, Lord, we always have you. So, Father, bless this evening as we give, and as we give faithfully, cheerfully, lovingly. And, Lord, we just bless all that's being done and said because it's your house. Father, we love you and thank you for all these things. In that wonderful name of Jesus, amen. God bless you as you give. Hey, PCA family, we have so many things going on. We want to make sure you stay in touch with all of them. To be sure and stay connected, take a look at the following slide. Also, in this first week of January, starting 2022, we want to make sure that we cover it with prayer. So we're asking you to join us in a week of prayer. Youth ages 12 to 18, be sure and join Amplified Youth every Friday night from 6 to 8 o'clock for a great time of fun and fellowship. You'll be able to hang out with all your friends and have a great time. To find out more about the slides you just saw, be sure and visit PCAChurch.com. Thank you for coming and welcome home. You found a place to belong, to believe, and to become. Amen. The new year, right? You guys are awesome. You made it Sunday morning? How many of you was here Sunday morning? Wednesday night, 100% attendance in the year 2022. God bless you, man. And tomorrow morning, wrap up, stay warm. It's going to be very cold out there. It's cold out there tonight, but you're in a warm, beautiful place where you can just uh, take off your coats and your hats and sit a spell. It's wonderful to have you here on this new year 2022. Tonight, I, I started, I'm going, to, I'm going to preach this, but I just got a feeling it's going to turn into a series because the more I look at this, I'm like, man, there's just this all throughout the Bible, this reoccurring theme. And so tonight I want to introduce you to um, the message entitled, The Power of One. The Power of One. One may not seem like much, but one has a lot of power. One. One thought. One decision. How many of you know that your life can turn in a lot of different directions based on one thought and one decision? can change the whole destiny of your life. One action. A lot of power. One can change everything in your life. One decision, one thought, one action. In the new year, we have resolutions. Some of you may have already broken them. I mean, some of you are like, I'm just done with them. I'm not going to do it anymore. We have new commitments. We get a new start. We get to hit the reset button, and we're going to start over, right? This year, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it. Uh, last year, my resolution was to be more technologically savvy. I failed. 
I realized the more I got into all the technology that I just wasn't even interested. I like things simple. I believe keeping everything simple. Keep it as easy as possible. Sometimes the staff will ask me, Pastor, you want to do this? I says, let's just make it easy. Let's just make it easy. I think we complicate too many things. And so my resolution this year is just to look at one thing and try to do one thing right. Keep it simple. That's what I need. We need to get organized, set new priorities, create new habits. How long do you think it takes to make a habit? Three months. You have to do something for three months before it becomes a habit. So if you're going to the workout place every morning at 5 o'clock and you've done it for five days, you got uh, 85 more to go. you got to get after it. Three months. Sometimes we have the first of the year saying we're going to quit some things. And then it's the time to get started. Then you have to prioritize your life. How many of you are thinking about these things right now this time? Prior, this year my priorities are going to be right. We have to prioritize our job. You got to work. You got to make a living. Your spouse, if you're married, if you have a girlfriend, boyfriend, fiance, priorities. You've got to, if you have kids, how to prioritize your kids. Your grandkids, friends, and then your social media. Some people are so active on social media. If you go to my social media page, you won't find anything new for a while. Then all of a sudden, I'll do something because I'm like, I need to put something on there. And then it'll be a while where I don't. It's not one of my priorities. It doesn't fall in the top five of my priorities in my life. What we spend the most time on and the most effort on is the number one priority in your life. So you just look at your time and your effort and whatever you spend the most on, that is your priority, whether you want it to be or not. That's your priority in your life. And so... We may intend that we have a certain person or a thing is number one, but in reality, it's not what we spend the most time on, not what we spend the most effort on. Whatever you look at with the most of your effort and time, that is your number one focus. And I want to tell you, your one has a lot of power in your life because it's your number one priority has a lot of power over your time, a lot of power over your decisions, a lot of power over your finances, the power of one, one decision. I'm going to say a name in the Bible, and I want you to tell me the first thing that pops in your mind when I say this, this person's name. You ready? It won't take long, I don't think. I think I have mentally control over you at this moment. When I say the name, I have a word you're all going to repeat to me. I think it's all going to be the same. You ready? The name is this. Judas. Betrayer. Everybody said betrayer. Yes. Why didn't you say disciple? Why didn't you say financier? Why did we all say betrayal? Because he made one decision, and that's what he is known for for eternity. Why don't we remember the decision that he made to follow Christ? Because he did that just the same as the other 11 disciples. He made that decision, I'm going to follow Christ, I'm going to lay my life aside, I'm going to take up this job, and I'm going to do it with all that I got. He did, just like the other 11. 
He saw all the miracles, just like the other 11. He participated in all the miracles, just like the other 11. He passed out the bread. He passed out the fishes. He gathered it all up. He was the one that went to Lazarus' tomb with Jesus. I mean, he did all the stuff. But why do we have one word that signifies his entire life? Because he made one decision, it started with one thought, and that one has power in his life, and that one has power in your life. One has power. What happened to Judas? You see, he did all the things. He took care of the money, and he was there when Jesus caught the fish. Remember that? They had to pay their taxes. He goes, how are we going to do it? Jesus caught a fish, took the money out of the fish's mouth, and he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. That's a pretty powerful miracle, isn't it? So his faith should have been extremely high as all the other disciples. I mean, if we have a financial problem, Jesus is going to be the answer to it. If we have a problem of healing, Jesus is the answer. If we have a problem with eating, Jesus provides. He was there. What happened? He was at Lazarus' tomb. Can you imagine being there? Lazarus, come forward! And he does. That would blow me away. Because that which had been dead for four days came out alive. And then they went to his house and ate and drank and had dinner with him. Isn't that amazing? What happened to him? Matthew 27, verses 3 through 5 says this. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned... He seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elders. And he said this, I have sinned, for I have betrayed innocent blood. And here's, now here's what you got to really key in on. And they replied to him, what is that to us? What you've done, what is that to us? That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Wow. Judas had made a lot of decisions in his life. You and I have made a lot of decisions in our lives. But I believe when we die, when we are known, we'll be known for one decision that we make. Whether we follow Christ or whether we don't follow Christ. Whether we are a believer or a non-believer. Whether we sold out to Christ or sold out Christ. One decision has power. One thought has power. He made that decision. He followed. But now he's made a decision to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, which in our finances day would be about $600. Yeah. He tried to fix his decision. He tried to go back to the very people who enabled him, who tempted him, Right? Hey, Judas, here's 30 pieces of silver. Is that enough? He had a price. He said, that's enough. I wonder today, what is our price to walk away from Jesus? How much will it take to entice us? It may not be just money. I've seen a lot of people walk away from God for money, their jobs, whatever. They, they, they take that money and they walk away from God. I've seen people walk away from God because of relationships, this relationship is worth enough for me to turn my back on Jesus and betray him. I've seen him walk away from God because of fame and fortune. I had a young man in one of my churches. He came to me. He's 40 years of age. 
He was a, a great guy, great personality, very charismatic. He and his wife and family were in the church. And, and he had become very wealthy at the age of 40. And he came to me one day in the office and said, Pastor, I'm 40 years old. I've got nothing to live for. He said, everything I wanted to accomplish in my life, I've already gotten it. He said, every kind of toy a man can have, I've got it. Uh, the home I have is beautiful. It is massive. It's wonderful. My wife is gorgeous. My kids are wonderful. Everything. What do I have to live for? I said, well, first of all, you need to get your heart right. Because if your heart is right with God, you've always got a reason to get up every day. Because there might be somebody my life comes in contact with that needs to hear about Jesus. Yeah. It transformed his life. He got saved in my office that day. Changed his countenance like it did with Adam and Eve. Remember God came down in the garden and said, something's wrong here. Why are you guys hiding from me? Your countenance has changed. You see, when somebody's really close to God and follow, they have a better countenance. They're, they they excited about the day. This is the day the Lord has made, and I'm going to rejoice. So he tried to rectify his decision. And when he came back to these people who had tempted him and given him enough to turn his back on Jesus, he, he gave them the money and said, I, I've, I've done the wrong thing. I want to change my mind and make a different decision. And here's what they said. What does that have to do with us? I want you to hear this. When people are in your life and they are a bad relationship or they are the person that is causing you to do things away from God, they're the ones who are influencing your life to walk away from God. When you make that decision to do that, they will not be there for you. They'll say, what's that got to do with me? You did it, I didn't. That's your responsibility. And church, every decision we make is our responsibility. Not anybody else's responsibility. Uh, what your decision is not my responsibility. My decision is not your responsibility. Now, when we make bad decisions, what do we all do? We're all tempted to do, blame somebody else. But guess what? It's my decision. I own it. And I'm going to live with it throughout eternity. It's your decision. And you own it. And you're going to have to live with it throughout eternity. They would not accept it. They said, hey, it's out of our hands, man. You've already done it. It's your response. That phrase just rung in my heart. And I couldn't get it out. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. I believe when we all stand before God, we're all going to have excuses. I'm probably going to have a few myself. And God's going to say, but it's your responsibility. I gave you the free will to make good decisions and, and you made a lot of good ones, but you got this one, the power of one. This thing overpowered all the other decisions in your life. Because when I say the name of Judas, we think of one thing, betrayal, and he hanged himself. And we think, how could somebody that close to Jesus do that? And yet there are people who are close to Jesus every day who turn their back on him and walk away after he has done so many wonderful things for them. I've got pastor friends that have turned their back on the ministry, walked away from the church, walked away from their wives, walked away from their children, walked away because there was a price that tempted them. Whether it's relationship, whether it's finances. Well, I can make more money doing something different. Yeah, you can. I was making a lot more money before I became a pastor. 
But that's not why I'm a pastor to make money. I'm a pastor because God's called me to be a pastor. And God has called you to the life he's called you to. And it's your responsibility, not anyone else's. We've got to listen. They will not be there when you need them. And whoever tempts you away from God does not care one thing about you. They only care about themselves. And they care about pulling you down to where they are so they feel better. Because when you're around them, they feel conviction. And people don't like convictions, do they? We just want everything to be good and everybody to like us and everything to be cool. But when we get around people who are Christ followers, it convicts us of our lifestyle and our decisions. So what caused this one decision? Because I believe he focused on temporary and not the eternal. We can make a decision in a moment that feels good right then and right now. It's right and then eternally the focus is different. Look at John 13 verses 21 through 27. After he had said this, Jesus troubled in his spirit and testified. Very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them. The disciple whom Jesus loved was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning his back against Jesus, he asked, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread. And when I've dipped it in the dish, then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. Wow. Have you ever found that some of your closest friends are the ones that have betrayed you in life? Yeah. And they're the ones that hurt the most, right? Because they're close. You think, I can tell them anything. I, they've experienced life with me. We've gone through the highs. We've gone through the lows. We've done it together. Surely, they'll stick with me. And when you really, really need them, they're not there. They get you into a bind because you made a decision based upon their influence. And then they'll look at you and go, hey, I had nothing to do with that. That's your responsibility. One decision, one thought. Maybe it was something that he thought about that says, hey, wait a minute. What is in this for me? Huh? Judas is probably going, we got this money, we're giving it to these poor people, but what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of all this? How am I going to retire? Where's my 401k? What's going on here? I believe he stopped listening with his heart and started listening with his ears. He stopped thinking with his heart and started thinking with his mind. And he begins to say, hey, wait a minute. Where's my cut? Where's my part? I'm sacrificing everything here. I've left the life that I once had. I'm, I'm following Jesus. Uh, we're having to sleep on the ground sometimes. We're doing this. We're in a different house every night. I don't know. What's in it for me? You ever anybody ask yourself about that in a relationship? What's in this relationship for me? I'm giving everything and you're giving me nothing back. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm sacrificing. Maybe it's at work. Maybe you're working so hard and you're making your employer look so awesome and then he's the one or she's the one that gets all the glory for it. And you go, hey, wait a minute, that's my job. 
I did the work. What are they getting all the credit for? Yeah. And sometimes in your mind, the enemy will come in and start putting thoughts in there and going, hey, hey, wait a minute. You're just making them look good. They just got a promotion. They just got a raise. And here you are stuck in the same old thing. What's in it for me? What do I get out of all this? Mark chapter 8, 34 and following says this. Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said. Now this is when he's calling them. The disciples are listening. Whoever wants to be my disciple. Here's what your resume has to say. You've got to deny yourself, take up the cross, and you follow me. That's the job description. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and Sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when He comes to His Father's glory with all of His holy angels. What if you gain? What if you gain the power that you're seeking? What if you gain the fame that you're seeking? What if you gain the money that you're seeking? What if you gain the acceptance that you're seeking after? What if you gain that here? But it costs you eternity. Yeah. And Jesus is almost foretelling Judas's decision. What will you give, Judas, in exchange for your soul? And Judas had a price, 30 pieces of silver. That's what my soul is worth. What is your soul worth tonight? At the beginning of the new year, we've got to prioritize everything. Maybe there's some relationships you need to get out of. Maybe there's some relationships you need to get into. Maybe there's some decisions that it's just one decision, Pastor. It's not that big of a deal. Oh, it can become a big deal. Yeah. One thought. What am I getting out of this? One action. Going and talking to some men in the temple. I mean, what, what can be wrong with talking to men at the church, Right? And the church is going to give me money. I don't see anything wrong with this. And you know what I can do? I can just ask God to forgive me, right? Yeah, he didn't get forgiveness on this one, did he? There comes a time when God's Spirit will no longer strive with us. The Bible says that. He will withdraw his Spirit. And the Bible says that unless you are drawn by the Holy Spirit, you cannot come to God. God draws us to him. And when we resist him enough, guess what he stops doing? He stops drawing us. The Spirit of God will not always strive with man. So it stopped striving with Judas, and Judas saw no hope. This is what looks like when it's hopeless. He went out and hanged himself. He didn't have any hope. He didn't see anything in his future good. He didn't have any peace. He was tormented. He, he, he was tormented by this decision, this one moment in his life. It had more power than all the previous moments. One. And because of that, he hanged himself. Because of that, he did not see the day of Pentecost. Because of that, he wasn't 
out there like Simon Peter was preaching the gospel. He wasn't like John the Beloved writing letters. Judas was one of the disciples. But one had a lot of power, didn't he? And power is what one has in our life and your life. I was thinking about one. I was thinking, hmm, there was a time there was one too many. Remember, there was this guy who had all these wonderful sons, and he, they were all together. Then all of a sudden, one other son popped up a little later in life. His name was Joseph. And boy, Joseph, oh, he was the baby. How many of you are the baby of your families? Raise your hand. Ah, oh, me too, I'm a baby. We get all the loving, don't we? Yeah, all the favoritism. The baby of the... Oh, just so cute. Yeah, Joseph was that way to his dad. He was his dad's favorite. And all the other brothers knew it, but there's one. the brothers all got together. Hey, there's one too many of us. So they had one decision, one thought, one idea. Hey, let's throw him in a pit, take his coat off, dip some blood from animals, and say he got devoured by animals. But then there was one brother named Reuben who decided, hey, let's don't kill him for real. Let's just put him in a pit and wait for somebody to come along. We'll sell him, but then tell dad that he got killed. But let's don't kill him. So one brother named Reuben overrode the other brother's decision to kill him, so they just decided to sell him. Because there's one too many. One brother pipes up, let's kill him. The rest of them, yeah, let's do it. Then one brother says, hey, let's don't kill him. Let's let him live, but let's sell him off. So they sold him off to the Midianites. The Midianites then took him into Egypt, sold him off to Pharaoh. And that one guy became the salvation of a nation. That one guy was put in authority. He was told by God in advance there would be famine in the land. They stored up all the food. And then his brothers had to come to him and kneel before him to get some food. And then carry the message back that your son that was dead is now still alive. One. One has a lot of power. One has a lot of influence. Because one brother decided, let's don't kill him. They had salvation for nations to live. They would have died and perished had that one not lived. We talk about one Jesus Christ. Because he lives, I can live, right? I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. It's a wonderful song of the church. But it's because of one who laid down his life, rose again, ascended to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our helper, our wisdom comes from God. Our decision making, where? Comes from God. That's why one decision changes everything. It changes destinies. We find that story in Genesis 27, 37. And then there's one other one I want to just talk about tonight real quickly. There was a guy, ripped, built, could break open the mouths of lions. You know that guy, don't you? Mr. Samson. Life was good, right? Everything's going great in his life until one look. Oh, whoa. What's your name, baby? Delilah. I like Delilah. And so that one relationship, he kept going back and laying his head in her lap. And she's going, 
Oh, what is the what is the what is the reason for your strength? And he played around with her and told her things that weren't true. And he'd jump up and break the ropes and all these things. A powerful story. You got to read it. It's it's got a lot of good stuff in there. But then one night, he told her the truth, and she had his head shaved. They called the guard in, and he couldn't. And he realized what? He did not realize the Spirit of God had left him. Because he hung around in the wrong atmospheres, hung around with the wrong relationships. And he couldn't break the ropes. He couldn't break loose of the bondage. And they put him, they slaved him up to a grindstone. Eyes gouged out. I don't think that was the way God intended for his life to turn out. Do you? No. Because he made one decision, had one thought. He only could think about one thing all day long. Delilah, Delilah, Delilah. Delilah. Oh, she's beautiful. Delilah. Probably wrote songs about her. Delilah, Delilah. And skipping through the road. Where are you headed? I'm going to see Delilah, Delilah. Yeah. You know what it's like to be in, you know, infatuated and overwhelmed, you know. And if it had been the right girl, if he had prayed about it and said, God, is this the right woman in my life? I'm sure God would have said, stay away, Joe. Stay away. But he didn't. Kept going back. Temptation, temptation, temptation. And what happens with every temptation? You get a little closer and closer and closer to the truth. The Bible says she received 1,100 Pieces of silver for Samson. Yeah. So her price was greater than Judas's, wasn't it? She got 1,100 pieces of silver, and Judas only got 30. Judas should have remembered some of the Old Testament writings. He go, wait a minute, I'm selling out too cheap here. Give me at least 1,200 because Delilah got 11. But everybody has a price. Everybody has a price. What is your price? What in your life would be the temptation to turn and walk away? In ministry, I've had several temptations in my life. There was a time in my life where I was called by a, a church in a beautiful state on the East Coast. And they said, we want you to be our pastor. I said, oh, okay. Well, what is the church? Well, it's running about 8,000. And we just bought 150 acres, and we know that you're really good as a pastor of building churches. We want you to come and oversee the building of our new facilities. We have 28 pastors on staff, and all this on and on and on. And the, and the money figure was astronomical. Yeah. And at that point in time, it was like 20 times more than I was making at the church I was at. So I talked to Miss Sandy. We started praying about it. Lord, what is your will? What is your will? Because every decision we make then affects every other church. You know that, don't you? Because if I'm not supposed to be here in this church, then somebody else is supposed to be here. So that person is where they're not supposed to be. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And the place I'm supposed to be, I'm not there. So there's all kinds of things messed up if I am not in God's will. So we started praying about it. And both of us came back after fasting and praying about it with the same answer. This is not for us. Yeah. It's not God's will in our life. 
And there have been so many times throughout our ministry we've had all these opportunities come our way. But I made a commitment to God when we got saved. God, here's one thing. This is the only criteria in my life. I want to be where you call me to be, and I want to do what you call me to do no matter what else. I want that to be right in my life. And if I know that is right, then God takes care of everything else. Everything else God will take care of. Just like he did with the disciples. You take up your cross, you follow me, and I will take care of everything for you. But you got to take up the cross and follow. And there are days where it is hard to follow where Christ leads. It's tough. Some days it's up the mountain the whole day. There used to be an old black gospel song, I'm coming up the rough side of the mountain. And there are times in your life it's like that. And you look around and see everybody else skiing down the mountain and you're trudging up the mountain. And you're like, well, how come I'm not, how come my life's not like theirs? Well, maybe because they've already climbed up the mountain that you're going up. If you keep climbing, you're going to get to ski down the other side just like somebody else is coming up the other side. You see, God has challenges for every one of us. And every one of us, temptation in the Garden of Eden. What was the temptation? You can be like God. God did not share this with you because he doesn't want you to know about this. Yeah. The temptation today for us, we have social temptations, financial temptations. We have power temptations, all these things. But is it the will of God for you? Because if it's not, that one thought, thinking about it, that one decision, it has a lot of power. And you may think it's insignificant, but it's not. I don't believe in a life of a Christian man or woman there are insignificant decisions. Every decision has value. And every decision has power. And the power of one, it is beyond our understanding. Because we may think it's just a temporary decision and it, it turns out to have eternal consequences. You may say, Pastor, this is pretty heavy for the new year. No, no, no. This is how the new year needs to start. Because every decision I make in 2022, i got to weigh it in the balance and see how it measures up to the Word of God. How does God influence your decision-making in 2022? It should be the number one priority of all your decisions Go to the Word of God and say, okay, I'm about to get into a relationship. What does God's Word say about it? I'm about to enter into a financial decision. What does God's Word say about it? I'm about to do this or that. What does God's Word say about that? Because this book says something about everything. I have not found anything in life that this book does not have the right answer to. The problem is we don't look for the right answer sometimes. There are times in my life when my vehicle is broken down and I want to listen to the mechanic. That's the cheapest. And sometimes that's not the right decision to make because it just causes more problems down the road. Sometimes there are decisions where I don't want to have to do it the right way. I'm kind of a get-to-the-end-of-the-journey person. How many of you are like that? You're destination people. 
I'm destination. I'm not enjoying the journey. I just want to get to the destination. So I've learned through the years that when we go to put something together, I let her help me. Because she takes out the piece of paper and unfolds it all the way and reads all the directions. And then you go step one, step two. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I know what to do. This is going to go here. This is going to go there. And boom, it's done. No. Step one. We got to identify every little piece and put it all. Okay. Oh, drives me nuts. I will not do it that way if she does not help me. So I make her help me so that I do it the right way. Because I'm all about getting finished. I want to just finish it. I don't want to have to go through this long, arduous process. But she has the patience. I'm a very impatient person. I like things done immediately. I thank God for the microwave. Hallelujah. You just had to wait an hour, hour and a half for a baked potato. That was the most amazing thing to me. I can have a baked potato in three minutes? Are you kidding me? This is awesome. Yeah. But God's all about the whole of your life. What will you gain if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? What have you gained? You can have it, sure, a few years. But what is that in comparison to eternity? Well, I had a lot of fun. Hey, I believe being a Christian is the most fun life you can have. We had some people, we went out with a, some couples on a uh, New Year's Eve or something like that. We do not drink, whatever, and uh, they all did. And, and, and they, were, they were telling us, you guys are so much fun. Just think how much fun you would be if you drank. I'm like, I'd probably be one of those drunks that get mad at people and want to fight. I had a cousin that every time he got drunk, all he wanted to do was fight, and he was not big enough to fight. He was a little bitty guy, but he always wanted to fight. He got beat up all the time. Then I had another cousin that when he got drunk, he was the happiest, nicest, friendliest, funniest person you'd ever want to be around. But I'm like, I just want to enjoy life. God said he's come to give you life and give it to you in abundance. When you have the peace of God, when you have the joy of the Lord, when you have hope in your heart, when you have a life that's, that's under a clear conscience, when you're making the right decisions, going in the right direction, doing the right things, I mean, there is nothing more fun than living life the way God says to live it because He blesses it. And He does things in your life that you stand back and go, whoa, I had no idea that was going to happen. That is beyond imagination. Sandy and I both grew up very poor. We first got married. We had this apartment. Our parents thought we were crazy because I started off with a really good paying job. So our apartment in 1978 was $350 a month. That's when people's house notes was $150 a month buying a house. They thought we were crazy. We would ride around these really nice neighborhoods going, oh, we'll never have anything like that. We'll never have a nice home. We'll never be able to do this and never be able to do that. But how many know that God can fulfill your, your dreams? He says, you know what? If you, you pray about it, and I believe in praying specific. I mean, if you want something, list it out. Get after it. Say, God, here's, here's what I'm believing for. And You may say, but it's just one thing. One 
has power. Stand with me tonight. One, think back over your life this week. Do you remember one decision that came back and hurt your life? Mm. And you know what all the people would say? Hey, that's your responsibility. It's yours, not mine. Those men in the temple told Judas, hey, that's not our problem anymore, it's on you. You have given us the man we want, now it's on you. You deal with it. I hope and pray none of us make a decision that causes us to look at that. That's the only way out of that life is to do what he did. What a horrible way to live. What a horrible way to die. I want you to know that God is with you. God is for you. I want you to make the right decisions in 2022. I want you to, to understand we live in a, a place of grace and mercy. I believe that unless you have just turned your back and walked away from God and have no inclination of it, I believe if you're trying, God will give all of us grace and mercy. Thank God for that. If you've made some bad decisions, say, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. But don't go to people. Go to God. Because God will go, hey, you know what? That's my responsibility. I've got grace and mercy. I sent my one and only begotten son for you because one has power. Father, tonight, I pray that all of us will reprioritize our lives this year. That all of us will begin to refocus on the eternal and not the temporary. That all of us will begin to weigh decisions according to your word. And say, what does the word of God say? I pray tonight, God, that if we have made decisions in our past that, that have been the wrong decision, that, God, we would immediately stop and say, God, forgive me. Have mercy upon me. I'm sorry. I surrender my life. I surrender my decisions. I surrender my future. I take up the cross. I follow you. Lord, if we're ever tempted to ask, what's in it for me? Lord, may we stop that thought immediately and say, God, I want to follow you at all costs. And you will give us an abundant life. You will give us great joy, great hope, great peace. And you will give us that energy every morning when we wake up and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it and be thankful for every gift you put into our life. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. Amen and amen. We sure hope you were blessed by Pastor Bardwell's message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.